around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. The new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. This it, is a this is a rare looking at each other during version of the greatest discovery today. Risky because it's also episode sixty nine of the greatest discovery. Nice. So we could just fall into that. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, what's that in my mouth? <laughs> Why, when I open my eyes, am I looking at a butthole? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's this is actually a, a pretty auspicious episode because we're recording this the day that we are going to go see the Star Trek Picard premiere. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna put on our our finest linens, <laughs> douse ourselves. We're gonna in some dress. Co- we're gonna dress as beds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go to a a big Hollywood premiere. It's going to be fun. Do you think I will get to meet Frakes? (laughs) He'll probably be there, right? I don't want to edit your question, but I'm more interested in knowing whether or not you'd talk to him. (laughs) Like, if he were to just hold out his hand and introduce himself, if you would be able to say anything. I would would say something in that context. The reason I didn't on the flight was that it would have been weird. <laughs> do you? We think, have adjudicated this. Do you think and, by the end of the night we will be best friends with Patrick Stewart? I think by the end of the night we will be best friends with someone that we were not thinking of before the night began. Wow, fuck! I think that's I think that's possible. That's cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you want to get the invitation to the after after party? Yeah. That's this is what we're gonna yeah. try to do at the after party. We want to be in the hotel lobby, right? Food every the everywhere as though the party was catered. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I watched. I went down like a YouTube YouTube rabbit hole the other day of people who are treating Star Trek Picard with the same ire that. Some people treated uh, The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. like the people who are pre-angry at the existence of a show because some comments have been made in the press that lead them to believe that it's not exactly the show that they would have made if they had been given the budget. I mean, Star Trek Discovery was greeted in the same way. It was, but I feel like it. They those people piped down after a little while. They piped down because they couldn't throw down $5 a month to watch the thing that they were pre-critical of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think inevitably there's the not my trick people right. about any new version of the thing. Yeah. I mean, that happened for TNG. Right. So, but uh, yeah, this we are in the new era where a guy can put on a homemade robot mask and sit in front of a green screen and scream into his camera for 25 minutes about how bad the new Star Trek Picard show is going to be. It feels like things are changing generally with that whole screed-based media criticism environment. Yeah. And I think things are changing for the better, at least I hope so. Like, I know there's going to be Screamy Mask Guy, and Screamy Mask Guy is going to have an audience, but I 
I really feel like people are caring less and less. And look, I don't say this. <laughs> I don't say this believing that we are absolved from our roles in it. But I think people are caring less and less about other people's opinions yeah. in formulating their own. I think I've come a long way in the last year. And I think our Friendly Fire episode about Captain America really changed me too in that like, it really, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Right. I, I think I found that video via other tweets mm -hmm. of somebody that was uh, attempting to do a kind of coordinated sock puppet mm -hmm. troll on us mm -hmm. where they were they were operating like three or four Twitter accounts and trying to like drag us and drag our listeners into shitty Twitter mm -hmm. flame wars. And it seemed like maybe like the person didn't even care so much about what they were saying, but just wanted to wanted to push our buttons and rile people up and hurt feelings. Yeah. And I felt bad because like Brie Belke and a couple of other people got kind of targeted by this person in a way that I, I mm -hmm. thought was super uncool. But like one of the one of the videos that <laughs> <laughs> this person had in their in their Twitter account was was robot helmet rant. There's like a kind of person that seems to have like anger about their fandom as like central to their identity, right? And 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 it's so it's so far from what we experience. Like when we go to the convention in Vegas, like right, it's like people that are really happy about liking something and. Man, it it really breaks my heart that like that like that much negativity can come out of just like something something that is primarily there as an entertainment that you can take or leave, you know? Like if if you don't dig Star Trek, that's fine. <laughs> just don't watch it. It's a weird area of like a the right of a thing to exist, you yeah. know? Like it's all right if it's not for you. It yeah. is the easiest thing in the world to not consume a thing right in the media but to not consume that thing and also rail against its uh ability to exist is i don't know i mean far be it for me to criticize how anyone spends their time given <laughs> how i spend mine but <laughs> i don't know well you've been down here spending your time looking for a place to live That's, yeah uh, you've been uh my mind is just melted from this experience so yeah i'm even less articulate than i <laughs> usually am for that reason it's been hard yeah man it's it's one of the hardest things because so much of like how you picture the rest of not the rest of your life but your immediate future mm -hmm. is like up in the air right now because you don't know where it's going to be yeah but uh i'm i feel really lucky that uh, i'm gonna have you in the same town as me and uh i feel the same way that is the extreme upside i i have at times in my life felt this the kind of clairvoyance that like when my wife and I found a place to live in Seattle after many years, like it just felt it felt like we knew and it was done and then we were there. But I have none of that brand of insight on this trip as we've gone around the city looking at places. It just feels totally foggy yeah. when I think about my future down here. And it's unsettling, but I mean, it's it's going to make it that much better to finally make some decisions, and that's really it, right? Yeah. It's it's tough to live in a in a liminal place 
where you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah. it's it's so it's such a relief to make a decision and be done with it. We're recording this at my apartment right now. And when when we found this place and wanted to wanted to get it, I was I was in just like a flat out panic for like thirty six hours because like asking for it and not knowing the answer mm-hmm. was a fucking killer for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had like my wife is much better at just being like sanguine and saying like, okay, if it's not this one, we'll find something else. And like once once I'd made my mind up that this was the one I wanted, it was like, it felt really apocalyptic to me that there was a chance that we wouldn't get it, you know? I think- uh, You know what's going to be great for stress? Going to a big Hollywood premiere tonight yeah. with an open bar. Hell yeah. <laughs> and having tons of fun uh, with our, our many Star Trek friends who I'm excited to run into there. Yeah, we we had multiple different people offer us this uh, this invite. Uh, Things have time. really changed for us reputationally. Yeah. Like before, uh, and we had to ask. Yeah. Now things are being offered. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody from the Star Trek industrial complex offered it, which no. given like given the past year with them, I, I, I'm a little surprised by. But I'm I'm happy to be at a uh, at a safe distance still. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's uh, that's critical. It's just that more people that. It, are are just within the fold. Yeah. Are aware of us and like us and want us to want us to get access. One bit of interesting Star Trek news that came out today or yesterday was that Will Wheaton's going to be hosting the televised after show. Oh wow. Like the reboot of After Treks is going to be his show. Oh, why'd they reboot that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wild, right? That's that's great. Speaking of people who have kept themselves at a remove, yeah, like I feel like I feel like that's been a choice that Will Wheaton has made for years is yeah. to sort of stay out of it. Yeah, but also he's an, a a geek hero. Like, yeah, he uh, you know shows up on on sci fi shows all the time, mm-hmm. and he has hosting reps on TV, and I think that's yeah. and in podcasts, right? Yeah, I think um, that'll be a good get. Yeah, I would watch that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really, I don't have many reps watching after shows of things. You yeah, know? like I, I guess I haven't watched many of the kinds of shows that have them, but, uh, but now I do. So. That season one of Star Trek Discovery after Trek, I I did watch, and I kept waiting for the, we're going to learn something from this, and what it became was just a frustration of people having NDAs. Right. And all of the conversational constraints that that puts on a person. Yeah. That's uh that's why you want to get Frakes as your guest cuz he yeah. will he will forget that he has the NDA, right? I went to a stand-up comedy performance in Seattle at a big theater. So it was a it was a big show. Uh it was Pete Davidson uh-huh. who I saw and they distributed NDAs to everyone in the audience. Wow. In line and it was absurd. It was 6 point type NDA cloud text and it was uh, if you see his dong you will not disclose it was really onerous like don't you can't even say that you were at the show that kind of thing that's unenforceable and and (laughs) it was it was unenforceable because when you turned in the sheet like i signed it under a different name yeah because they didn't check your id they're just (laughs) they're just distributing and collecting it was total bullshit yeah 
It's but, like uh, the it's like the email signature that says this is intended only for the recipient. At yeah, the, I get those all the time to me. That is actually to somebody else named Ben Harrison because mm. a lot of people. That's uh, a Ben Harrison problem. Yeah, send, send you know it's a, a very common name. So yeah. you know I I get you know your home warranty claim has been denied. Yeah, kind of kind of emails <laughs> like. <laughs> well, so Ben Harrison of Tennessee is gonna is gonna be really upset when he finally finds out about this. But I have no idea how to get in touch with the guy. It's nuts. Uh, CBS slash Star Trek is doing their NDA right. Like attending the thing means you're under that obligation. Yeah, and they know who you are we already. Will, we will have. Uh, yeah, it'll be. We can't talk about an episode until it airs. Right. And I think that's going to be really great for us because what we know is that they're going to show the first three episodes of Picard tonight. And you and I have talked a lot about how difficult it is to produce the show under the time constraints we're given because we want we want to be able to give you fresh pod. Yeah. And that means watching and rewatching episodes in a very short amount of time and then recording and editing a show yeah, in such a turn that, that actually is good for a, a, a viewer. We've never been able to get like advanced screeners of anything, uh, despite trying several times. And so getting getting a leg up on the first three episodes is going to be big. Back when we were first doing Greatest Gen, I feel like one of our earliest goals was like, get that mattress money. <laughs> and I feel like for Greatest Discovery, like the we know we will have made it when we're screener worthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> They like, realize that there's actually a, a utility in helping us a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think that's true. I mean, I, I don't know like what it costs them to send the screener, but I'm sure that I'm sure that the existence of this show has led to enough subscriptions to CBS All Access to make that a no brainer. I don't I honestly don't think that it's a cost thing. I think it's a trust thing. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that we can prove up until now that we won't break an NDA and start talking about shit in yeah. a way that they can't control. Even though you and I are are professionals, <laughs> we've been in the podcast game for a long time, but we've also been in the TV and corporate game long enough to right. like not break an NDA when given yeah. one. We we can be trusted not to break ITAR regulations, but yeah. we can't be trusted not to like blab about a spoiler in episode four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it takes. But uh, that's where we're at. Uh, but uh, happy to be here. I'm happy to have you, man. Do you want to uh, turn the page and talk about this short trek that uh, just dropped? I really do. It's the first Next Generation era short trek. It's called Children of Mars. It was directed by Mark Pellington, who also directed the Q&A short treks. Oh, cool. Which I found interesting. But yeah. guess what? Mark Pellington was also the voice of the Ba'ul. Whoa. That uh, that creepy, overcranked, haunted house voice for the Ba'ul. That's fun. And final bit of Mark Pellington trivia, directed the Pearl Jam Jeremy music video. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Wow. And And like when you think about Jeremy and you think about Children of Mars, like this is a this is a school setup. Yeah. Kima and Lil do not shoot up their classroom in the way that no. Jeremy was was made to seem in that video. Uh, yeah, Kima is some type of alien child. 
and Lil is a a girl, uh, a human girl, and they both go to the same school. Uh, we are introduced to them uh, both having kind of frustrating FaceTimes with their parents. Uh, Kima's mom works in the shipyards at Utopia Planitia, and Lil's father does. And it seems like it's very busy times up there. Like, I almost got the sense that there, it was like crunch time. Like, we got to get these ships finished. Yeah. Um, I My, thought it was interesting that the ships looked very disco era. Yeah, that's so too. Like, I like we've been reading this uh, Star Trek Picard comic book, and that is a ship that very much looks like Enterprise E yeah. uh, design. Yeah, the, these are these are ships without a lot of sanded edges. Right. Yeah, they're very Cybertruck inspired. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my time at Giant Airplane Company uh, made these moments familiar to me because there is such an emphasis on rate when right. you work in that kind of industry. And what these parents are both talking about How is How many rate. fart tubes can we churn out? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that both kids have frustrating relationships for their parents with their parents for much different reasons. Like- Kima seems to have a good relationship with mom, one that's good and playful, and Kima misses her mom because she wants to be together, but Lil has a frustrating relationship with her dad because he's too busy to come home. Right. And you know, I think you're a pretty bad dad if you don't have time to beam home and yeah. back, right? <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. Like, can you it, can you beam from Mars to Earth or, or would you have to take a, a ship? I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm sort of assuming a greater a greater amount of distance allowable yeah. for transport at this like this being many years after the end of the right. of the next gen movies. Right. I guess they have not made advances in transporter technology sufficient to make that work. We also don't know the era until the end of the episode. That's a bit of a twist at the end. So um you know like the like seeing the disco styling on the ships and the shuttle that shows up to uh, the the yeah. uh, yellow school shuttle that shows up made me think maybe this was disco era. And uh, it turns out not. Um, the storyline of this is pretty simple. It's it's just like Lil, Lil bumps into Kima causing her to miss the bus uh, because she's got to collect her backpack and stuff. At the beginning of the episode, and then they just have kind of a classic, uh, like elementary school war where it's escalating, uh, es- escalating dunks where Lil will fuck Kima over and Kima will will fuck her over even bigger. And I thought that the the beats of this were were pretty good. Like I I, I liked the ambiguity when when uh, Lil draws like a a caricature of Mrs. K and shoots it over to Kima's uh, computer screen. And then Mrs. K catches Kima and, and gets her in trouble. Like that's a moment that really like plays for, for ambiguity initially. It's like, it's almost like a, Hey, like 
uh, at least we can agree that Mrs. K sucks, right? Like we've had our differences, but then it, but then you realize that it's like it's been beamed over to her because Mrs. K is walking up behind Kima and Kima's about to get. Yeah, both of those things are it. true. Like we can all agree on K, but also <laughs> that moment is, feels very uh, contemporary too. This is like passing the note specifically at a time to get the note recipient in trouble. It also really reminded me of that scene in Starship Troopers where right. uh, they're drawing they're drawing on their tablets and sending the, the images yeah. back and forth. Who needs a knife in a nuke fight anyway? Yeah, this does feel very Starship Troopers-y in that way, but a lot of it, I think, has to do with the, the location. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the choice to have the lyrics of that song like playing over? Because like most, it's almost entirely dialogue-free episode after those initial FaceTime calls and then we've got a kind of uh, slowed down Heroes originally is a David Bowie song oh, but then Bowie Wallflowers song. covered it and then it is uh, it was covered in this episode by Peter Gabriel oh, wow yeah I've heard of him <laughs> but as a song I think it's an interesting choice because I mean, the episode is about these kids absorbing a tragedy, and Heroes is about, I mean, a a song narrator, like, rising up to and winning over against a challenge right. in a heroic way. But that's something that you don't see in this episode. It It makes me wonder if these children grow into something that the song describes. Right. Yeah, because these point. could totally be, like, characters that are... Uh, you know, older young people in the Star Trek Picard series, depending on how the timeline works out. That to me would be the only reason to use a song like this. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with the episode as we as we know at this moment in time. So the one thing that we do know about when this is set is is the specific day of the year. It's April fifth, first contact day. Right. And uh, and that is the setting for this this dispute between these two girls who like which devolves like into a, like a pretty violent fight like they're throwing haymakers at each other in the hallway at the school. The Lily erasure of Star Trek First Contact continues <laughs> because you don't see any any banners appreciating her many contributions to First Contact Day as. Would be appropriate. Right. But I guess you don't see any Zephram Cochran yeah. iconography here either. They're like, let's just erase everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These two girls get separated and like seated on uh, on benches in, in sort of the principal's office kind of area. And the principal is a Vulcan man. And it looks like he's kind of coming over to have a talk with them when he gets a notification on his hollow communicator and then, you know, you see all the adults start to see these notifications and then it takes over the the big screens up in the school. And it's uh, it's an attack by synths, mm-hmm. which I am guessing is those rooms full of datas that we saw in the Star Trek Picard trailers. Uh, and uh, it seems like the synths have turned on on their makers, which... Always happens with uh, with uh, artificial slave races in sci-fi. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this sequence is done really well because we begin with the 
grief and the trauma as experienced through the adults and then you know the students take their cues from them before right. the federation news network reel starts playing around them and i think that is a very real feeling yeah. moment you know it, the confusion of a child is replaced by the certainty of an adult around them for better or worse and the pain of that uh is all the, the two girls need to sort of realign their you know themselves because they both have a parent that is potentially a victim of this attack and uh and they and they hold hands toward the end of the episode which i i feel like the promo was like what could make these two girls make up or whatever <laughs> such a fucked up answer to that question yeah it really is <laughs> We do get our first shot of Picard in this short treks. Yeah. But it's a still. It's like a file photo. Admiral Picard re- reacts to synth attack, I yeah. think is the is the headline or something like that. Picard uh doesn't have a great track record of Picard reacts though. He's <laughs> uh he's pretty smashy in our experience. Yeah. Uh you better keep him away from your little ships. Right. Yeah. <laughs> any uh any glass windows in range are Subject to destruction. <laughs> so main question that this episode uh, comes to a point on at the very end, is class canceled or what? <laughs> yeah, does, this, uh, does this mean tomorrow's quiz is yeah. not? Uh... <laughs> it really had like 9-11 vibes yeah. in that way. Like I, I think it's very specifically meant to feel like 9-11. Like it says 3,000 feared dead or something like that on the on on one of the crawls on the news feed, which uh, is pretty specific. Yeah. But also that, I mean, I, I was going to high oh, school. Oh, you think that number was yeah. specifically chosen? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, but also just like the vibe around the school feels very specific. Like I remember going to school that day and like listening to the radio reports about uh, about 9-11 on like the local R&B station, like the morning zoo crew was was <laughs> reacting to the news. You They're know? playing awful like sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> morning. This morning. is a major bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for traffic on the nines. Yeah. And then getting to school and like they were like, yeah, I guess we're going to have class. And then like eventually they were like, I guess we're not going to have class. <laughs> like. And just like nobody knowing what to do, you know, it's like, it's like obviously life is going to go on, but also it doesn't really feel like appropriate to just like, you know, do math class right now. I was working at a corporate office on 9-11 very far away in Seattle, and I thought it seems insane to even talk about in this way but like i the very real question on my mind outside of the many obvious questions of that day was like practically i mean should i should we go to work is anyone going to work <laughs> like yeah. because i should probably get in the car and start driving now yeah. if i am like that sort of bullshit that doesn't really matter but when something on a scale that large does it really puts into question everything about that day. Right. Like what? Because you also don't know at that point, like, is this just the first of many things that is going to happen today? Like, is it it safe to leave the house? Right. Is a question a lot of people are. I mean, I go over many bridges to work. Is that something I should think about? Right. We've also talked a little bit 
speculating about like what Picard's deal is going to be at the yeah. beginning of this series. Like, and I remember uh, an episode or two ago, you were speculating that he maybe left Starfleet in some disgrace. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this changed your your read on that at all. Because this seems to be like something that happened on his watch. So it's possible that he could be yeah. blamed for it, I yeah. suppose. But also doesn't, like as much as we would like to live in a world where George Bush like got the blame he deserved for 9-11, I don't think he really suffered any consequences for not having his eye on the ball with that. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before when we review Pearl Harbor films on our hit show, Friendly Fire. Like, the admiralty involved in those moments on that day, like, I don't think the shit really really splashed on them. Yeah. But, I I mean, clearly... One guy got, like, demoted and, and cycled back to a desk job, but... In the story of this episode, I think it's very telling that Admiral Picard is the first one you know, referred to, like whether or not he's a frequent panelist on Federation News Network, like (laughs) that could be just his deal or because he's the top of the mountain, like that would be a good get for FNN, you know? Yeah. I don't think enough information is given in this episode to deter me from my belief that, uh, that Picard was a fall guy for something and left maybe not in disgrace, but, uh, but not as a hero. My my a main hero quest- like the song. Yeah. From this episode. Whoa. Uh, my main question now is: uh, <laughs> Was Commander Maddox involved in <laughs> the creation of the Rays of Synths? That would be so great if, if they he brought were a that character on the show. Yeah. Oh uh, man, that would be so good. Um, yeah, he like- finally got his way, and then his creation destroyed him because like in those episodes like when they talk about the idea of like making more datas on Mm -hmm. tng like the risks of that and like the ethical quandaries surrounding the idea of making synthetic people that you can then have do whatever you want them to do yeah is always on people's minds like they discuss it and uh and i just wonder if um how they will tell the story of those ethical questions being pushed to the side because it seems like they have been. Yeah, I wonder that that seems like a Allison Pills character storyline. You know, that's her role on the show is is the is the cybernetics doctor. Mm-hmm. So I imagine uh, scenes involving her are going to have something to do with it. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, before. We go much further. I think I have a question. Did you like this episode of Short Treks? It was a ton of fun to go forward in time in a Short Treks. Not so far as the 3,000 years into the future Calypso episode, (laughs) but to finally arrive at post-next generation Star Trek timeline is an exciting place to be. Yeah. And it's neat to see... Like, I was very excited to see the shipyard so close and to see the people who work there and to maybe uh, feel like the expectation might be there are many scenes set in places like those in the Star Trek Picard show. I like, I mean, I think we get this a lot on shows like The Expanse, just science fiction that leans so hard into like 
production and technology and like things that people make and use in the future instead of, or in addition to the many moral and societal questions that science fiction genres can uh, can afford us to discuss you know yeah like i think it's i think it's just neat to see what people build and how they live their lives or go to school and stuff that's those are things that i loved about this episode i also i thought i might be surprised in how this went in the episode but that how people process fear and trauma felt so familiar in a show like this, like yeah. you could imagine this is something that happens to kids after school shootings all the time. Right. This sort of awful thing bringing people together that yeah. is uh, realigning people's affinities and stuff. Yeah. And like the subtle thing about Lil's character is that like her home life is not, is not a positive for her and she's a bully. Like these are things that I think we can understand yeah. right now. Yeah, there's, One thing that there's she, a bus uh, advertisement I see a lot in LA that just says everyone's going through something. Yeah. And it's I, I think it's just a, it's literally like a PSA, just like remind yourself that yeah. other people are also facing challenges. And yeah. uh, I thought a lot about that in this episode. Like these, like if they were just talking to each other and being vulnerable with each other, they would know that they're both, they both have something like pretty major in common, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one person bumping into the other that sets this off. Lil is going to want to invest in a friendship with Kima, I think, because once Kima starts dating, that tongue is going to make her very popular. (laughs) (laughs) So I think Lil needs to be playing the long game here in terms of school popularity. Lil could get a secondary Access to those suitors. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Ben? Uh, I liked it too. I think the first time I watched it, I felt it was a little bit, it was like the script feels a little bit film school to me. Yeah. The uh, like sneaking around in the library to trip someone being like one of the, you know, like the, the beats of escalation. Anytime a book bag hits the ground in a school context, like you've got to pay Jansport royalties. <laughs> yeah, and and that felt a little corny to me, but I think it's very well executed despite a kind of medium to to weak script. Mm-hmm. And the performances were good. The two little girls are great. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting to. Is that like every every bit of acting including like the teachers and background kids was great. Yeah, there was one moment where like a school secretary approaches the principal and they both they're both looking at their screens and sharing in the yeah. horror of that moment and I found her performance uh really affecting totally. and she gets no dialogue at all and I think she gets like 2 seconds of screen time. Yeah, but she uses it for all it's worth. Yeah. And and like other moment, like the subtle moment between the two girls when the Mrs. K caricature gets mm-hmm. gets sent is mm-hmm. like a, you know, three or four cuts back and forth of just eyes acting. And, yeah. You know, little kids are not always good at that. And these two really are. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so very well executed uh, episode and uh, makes me really excited for what we're going to see at the big premiere tonight. 
that's got to be great for your career if you're a child actor and you can put up with contacts and prosthetics yeah. and stuff. I think that opens up a lot of opportunities for you as an actor. Totally. Excited to see what those kids do next. Yeah. Well, Adam, uh, that was our review of Children of Mars. Do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages in the inbox? Oh, yeah, we got to do that. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. As we look at our Priority One message inbox with horror <laughs> and the expressions to go with both, uh, our first Priority One message, Ben, is from Kevin Uxbridge, and it is for Voke, son of none. <laughs> Voke, son of none, I wanted to express sympathy and support. <laughs> As someone with a speech impediment, I found Kern's message to you regarding your verbal skill to be unconscionable. And I'd know, I'm a man of special, you know the rest. Anywho, if you want me to wipe out all sons of Moog everywhere, let me know. I've got your back. Wow, I wonder if he would even throw in sons of Moog who no longer realize that they're sons of Moog. Right. And what about those ones that the Deep Space Nine crew discover on that quantum planet that are 200 years in the future, Sons of Moog? I think you'll find that I err on the side of more genocide than necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Too much genocide is just enough to Kevin Uxbridge. Rather have the genocide and not need it than need it and not have it. <laughs> I like I like to keep my genocide and my genocide ammunition in separate lockboxes. <laughs> oh, uh, is that the end of that message? That is. Oh, it says uh, your friend Kevin. Oh, so. yeah. There's uh, a salutation at the end. Lovely. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, we have another P1 here, and it's from Leon, and it's for Ben and Adam. It goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, thank you for all the embarrassing years. It got me through a lot. Long live the Uxbridge Shimoda podcast empire. Starwood points for everyone. Wow. Also, please congratulate me for finally getting my green card in the voice of Kern, please, for it took many battles and was very honorable. Kapla! <laughs> Leon, <laughs> I certainly hope that you do not forget this day (laughs) as I have forgotten most days in my life (laughs) I see that your card is as green as my bird of prey (laughs) I admire that choice I already forgot who we're talking about (laughs) may you continue to vanquish your foes at the immigration office (laughs) I am the Sammy Jankus of Star Trek. <laughs> I fake my way through most conversations. Anyways, gotta go. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to leave a priority one message, uh, you know what to do. You head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And we really appreciate it because it's a great way to support the production of this program. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. 
This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I gonna have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself an Edward Larkin? Yes, I did. Uh, there, you know, this is a bit of a headcanon, Larkin. But uh, one of the, when the when the news is breaking and the kids all start kind of like pouring into the hall that uh, that they are all watching the big screens in. Uh, there's a background uh, student who uh, I'm sure was meant to be an alien, but 
he's kind of in soft focus in the background. So what he looks like is a kid with blue hair and a bunch of face tats. And uh, I just loved the idea that there's like crust punks in <laughs> the in the deep future. <laughs> hey, I live in a in a moneyless utopia, but I I still hate my dad, and I want to drink wine out of a bag on the street. So uh, that's my Edward Larkin for this episode. It's like uh, if a Chakotay fucked a bullion. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's who that kid is. That's pretty much it. Uh-huh. Uh, did you have an Edward Larkin, Adam? Yeah, I uh, I can't remember on Star Trek there being there ever being a scene of people just making funny faces just to make them. Yeah, I mean I'm sure there have been examples of this, and I'm sure we're gonna hear about it. Yeah, but to just see mugging at the camera in a sequence of that stuff felt very in keeping with uh, with a Shimoda slash Edward Larkin sensibility. So I think uh, I think I'm gonna split those two between uh, Kima and her mom. Yeah. Those CG tongues are very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> was Kima's mom's tongue longer than Kima's tongue? And the reason I ask is like... Well, she hasn't hit her growth spurt yet. Is that is that a tongue you grow into or <laughs> is that something you're born with? I remember Dr. Phlox from Star Trek Enterprise had a crazy tongue that you ever, every so often got to see him yeah. whip out. Yeah. Are they the same kind of alien? I don't think they are. No, I, I think the I think the loaf is different. Yeah. What kind of alien? Also, unnamed is, alien why is, is what Kima and her mom are. Her her uh her complexion is so orangey red, and then her blood is blue. How'd you like to be born with Kima's brand of loaf and just have all of the uh, adolescent acne just look like? No, I'm just an alien. It's regularly distributed. Yeah. <laughs> Acne. That's very ideal. <laughs> that was, God, if only we could be so lucky. <laughs> I, I think it's a an Adam Savage quote from the Mythbusters. That guy uh, worked, I think, both on Star Wars prequels and on a Star Trek film or two. Mm-hmm. And he said that, like, when you're building a ship model for Star Wars, if there's like three objects in a row, you put like the first two, and then you break the third one off. Hmm. But in Star Trek, you always have like everything, you know, everything's everything very symmetrical where it's supposed and, to yeah, be, yeah. and that's just like like the ethos of the of designing ships for the two universes is like Star Wars. Everything is a little bit broken and a little bit old and shitty. In Star Trek, everything's pretty new and well taken care of. Right. And I thought a lot about that with her, with the dots on her face, because they're like just beautifully regular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that ain't Star Wars loaf. <laughs> <laughs> now you're now you're just naming porn parodies. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't Star Wars loaf. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, well, I think that's just about going to do it for us, right? Yeah, we got to get ready to uh, put on some suits and go to a a fancy premiere. Yeah, uh, wish us luck, everybody. And uh, I think next time we will be back with the uh, first episode of The Greatest Discovery about Star Trek Picard. It's true. Very exciting episode coming up. now is the time to subscribe to our show and yeah. to tell a friend to do the same. Yeah. Uh, we will leave it with Rob's, 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 Rob's from here. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. 
It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, we'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.